Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to another Larry Huck Ministries podcast. We pray this teaching will fill you with God's wisdom, anointing, and revelation knowledge. Thank you for your prayers and faithful support. When the Bible says pray for the peace of Jerusalem, we're not just praying for the peace of Jewish people. We're praying for the peace of everybody there. Because the reality of it is, amen. The reality of it is, is most people, whether they're Jews or Palestinians, and I've been to Israel 38 times. I have many, many good Jewish friends, and I have many, many good Palestinian friends, good friends that I eat dinner with them. I fellowship with them and are, have been friends for many, many, many years. They want peace. It's a handful that stir this up. Amen. And let me just tell you one story as, as we get into the service today on Shavuot. The, um, a few years ago, Pastor Scott and I were walking through the streets of old Jerusalem. And if you've ever been to Israel, you know what we're talking about. You go through the Jaffa Gate, and there's all the Arab uh, shops there. It's just a great, a great tourist experience. Well, Scott and I were over there, Scott and I and Truett, and we were filming. We, weren't, we didn't have a group with us. We were filming for television. And my grandsugars, Asher and Yehuda, they said, Saba, bring us rocks. They were collecting rocks. And so we've been so busy. We're leaving the next day. And I go, where am I going to find rocks? Where am I going to find some rocks? And we're walking through old Jerusalem. And in front of one of the Arab shops is a basket full of rocks that have come from all over Israel. And so I'm looking at them, and I'm picking some through. There's no tourists there. For some reason, it's not the tourist season. There's nobody there. And the owner, the Arab owner, Muslim man owner of that shop, recognizes us. Because I've been there so many times, and we always bring our people to go into the Arab shops and buy things and take home souvenirs. It's, a, it's just a beautiful experience. And he recognized me. Oh, pastor, you know, because we bring people in. And, and so uh, he says, come in. And so we're having coffee. He gets coffee. It's a very Arab thing to sit down and drink good Turkish coffee. And, uh, and he says, uh, you know, there was some trouble brewing. And he said, you know, if most people would realize that the faith of the Jews and the faith of the Muslims are more closely related than the faith we have, than the faith with Christians. And I knew where he was going to go. And I said, explain that. And he said, the faith of Jews and the faith of Muslims is built on this foundation, one God. So we only pray to one God. And Scotty and I looked at him and said, well, so do we. He said, no, pastor, you pray to the Father, you pray to the Son, you pray to the Holy Spirit, you pray to, some pray to Peter, some pray to Paul, some to Mary, some Ringo. And I said, we don't. And I opened my Bible. We had it because we were filming. I had my Bible on a satchel. And I said, look, Jesus said, don't pray to me. I'm the door. You go to the Father. Now, when I used to teach that, the church world labeled me a heretic. I actually had one lady said, I don't want to know this. Well, you know, God's on the throne. 
Jesus is on the right hand making intercession. It's like, uh, like somebody said one time, a soldier got wounded. And uh, he goes, get me the doctor, get me the doctor. He goes, do you want the doctor or do you want the doctor's son? We want the doctor. And Jesus has paid the price that we can go boldly before the throne of God, right? Well, to us, that's not that big of a revelation that Jesus paid the price that we can go boldly before the throne of God. When you pray, say, Father, our Father, we're praying to the Father. This Muslim man pulls the curtain, goes, gets his sons, sits them down and says, tell them that. And I said, we pray to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, Jesus has paid that price, so we can do that. But we go boldly before the throne of God. And they looked, they had the curtain closed, and they got, and he goes, if everybody in Israel knew this, we would have peace in the Middle East. And you know what? Several years ago, Scott and I were called before a leader of one of the security forces in Israel, and he said, please, Pastor Larry, keep preaching what you're preaching. Keep teaching what you're teaching. And I said, well, I, I appreciate that. Why? He said, because what you're teaching he said, I believe is the key to the Middle East because it, we, and they were security. He said, we watch who's watching Christian television. And he said, we know that not only are Christians watching what you're teaching, but Jews are watching what you're teaching. Muslims are watching what you're teaching. And he said, the God that you're teaching, the God of the Bible is a God that Christians, Jews, and Muslims can all come together. He said, we believe this is the key to the Middle East. So when we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, we are not just praying for our Jewish brothers and sisters. We are praying for Palestinians. We are praying for Muslims. We are praying that the God of Shalom will come into that nation. And when we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, the Bible says, whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven. Anybody who wants to destroy people just for the sake of destroying people and in the name of God, they do not know God. Because our God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who we have relationship through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, our God is a God of peace, our God is a God of love, and our God is a God of future that God wants to bring to the nation of Israel. Amen. So would you come together in spirit? I know we're not supposed to touch hands. Would you come to, I can't wait till I can hold Tiz's hand again. (laughs) Would you come together in agreement? Father, we come together according to your word and we pray for the peace, the shalom of Jerusalem, which means nothing missing, nothing broken. And Father, we bind the forces of darkness around the world that would use this land and use these people as pawns in their political and economic strategy. And Father, we pray that the peace of God, which passes beyond anything that we can understand, will come on all the people in the nation of Israel. And we pray for this divine wisdom, divine guidance, and divine peace on every leader of every nation. That this is the will of God, that through the nation of Israel, 
the land that you have given since the beginning of time to the Jewish people. We pray that God, you will sweep across the world. You will open the eyes and the minds and the hearts of everyone and realize that the peace of God is the only answer we have. And we give you all the praise and all the glory in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus, who is the Messiah. And all, everybody who believes for peace in Israel, give the Lord a clap offering and tell him amen. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. Uh, I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles up this morning to the book of Leviticus chapter 23. Is that rain I hear? They say when a prophet speaks, it rains. I don't know if I'm a prophet, but I know what I'm saying is prophetic. Leviticus chapter 23, if we can pull that scripture up. Just so that everybody understands, today is the day in, in Hebrew called Shavuot. Shavuot is the Hebrew word for weeks. Seven weeks plus one after the time of Passover. Now, I know I don't need to explain this, but I, I will just in case it gets a little confusing for somebody maybe new. Next week is the day of Pentecost. Shavuot and Pentecost are the exact same day. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in the temple. Why? Because to the Jewish people, it was Shavuot. It's the time that we bring our first fruit offering. Now, the reason why Shavuot is today and Pentecost is next week is because the Bible, and, and I'm saying it in a very simple way, the Bible goes by a lunar calendar, by the moon, and the rest of the world goes by a solar calendar, the sun. So instead of so many suns, every month we have a new moon, and that's the beginning of the next month. And so sometimes Passover and Easter, Resurrection Sunday, falls on the same day. Sometimes because of the different calendars, they fall under a different, on a different day. So on the calendar this year, because Passover was a week before Easter, Resurrection, Shavuot and Pentecost are a week apart but they are the exact same day. Amen. Everybody understand? I know that's a little confusing, but, you know, Tiz says it so well when we're doing our television program. She said, until we started teaching this, we thought Pentecost began with the church. It didn't begin with the church. We just changed the name from Shavuot to Pentecost. So when the day of Pentecost or the day of Shavuot fully came, they were all in the temple because this is one of God's main appointed times on his calendar when he meets with us and does something special. Now, today I was going to teach on being filled with the Spirit. And I really think that if the church world ever needed a new baptism in the Holy Spirit, it's right now. 
You know, one of the signs, and I love this, one of the signs of being filled with the Holy Spirit is they spoke the word of God with boldness. Now, you got to understand that when the Holy Spirit came, there was a major event that just preceded that. Does anybody remember what that was? They killed Jesus. So we're not talking about, oh, I'm a little embarrassed to pray over my meal, or I don't want anybody to know I'm a Christian, or, you know, somebody might laugh at me because I believe in, in, in the morals of the Bible. No, if you believe in Jesus, we will kill you. You just saw us do that to Jesus. But the Holy Spirit came, and they were filled with the Spirit and spoke the Word of God with boldness. I love the scripture. I love the scripture that says when they saw their boldness, then they knew they'd been with Jesus. In other words, if we're cowards, we're not spending enough time with Jesus. We need to be bold and not ashamed. And if we've ever needed the power of the Holy Ghost back in the church, it is right now because we need to be bold for the kingdom of God. Can I have an amen? So next week, next week on, on Shavuot, on Pentecost, you know they bring two offerings. One offering is the anointing of the power, signs and wonders and miracles. The other anointing is the anointing for prosperity. So next week, I'm going to talk about the anointing of God to prosper. God says in his word, God says in his word, I give you power in your hands to prosper. Prosperity is not a bad thing. Prosperity is a God thing for you to, there's no, there's no sin in being poor, but there is a sin in thinking being poor is a sign of godliness. So next week we're going to release because that is God's appointed time. And if you want to stay poor, don't come. Because even if you're here, you're going to get the anointing. We're going to release the anointing, the end, I believe, the last day's anointing of the end time transfer of wealth. When Israel left Egypt, they went out with signs and wonders and miracles. But they went out with all the silver and the gold. I believe that this year, I've been saying this with our guys in the back. I believe this year is the beginning of the end time transfer of wealth. The wealth of the wicked being put in the hands of the righteous. We need to understand money is not a bad thing. Money is a good thing. Now, God will bring prosperity 24-7, every moment of every day. But this is a Moedim, God's appointed time. Pentecost, the Pentecost offering, the Shavuot offering, is the most appointed time for God to release into your hands prosperity. Listen to me. If you have more money than you need, then please come and receive the, uh, the anointing anyway and give it to me or your neighbor. Somebody's going to get blessed this year. Might as well be you. Come on. Somebody ought to say amen. Now, after that, I was going to go into another series, but I really feel that I need to preach at least one or two weeks on the power of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said the last thing he said to the first church 
is don't you leave until you have this. He said, I've got to go. They said, no, Lord, don't go. He said, no, I've got to go. Because as long as I'm here, I am with you. But I will send another who will not be with you, but he will be in you and wherever you go. Amen. And I, I, I feel very strong that, and, and for a, a lot of good reasons, the church has thrown the Holy Spirit out. My Bible says when you come into my house, you lift up your hands. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. You shout with the voice of triumph. Well, no, I'm just, I'm not raised that way. I, yeah, I, I, I wasn't either. But when I got saved, my life is not my own. It's bought with a price. Now I'm supposed to do what he tells me to do. And it may not be your personality to raise your hands and praise God, but understand the strategies of the devil. God inhabits the praises of his people. Amen. We need to welcome the Holy Spirit back into our services, back into our churches, back into our lives, back into our ministries, back into our families, because I guarantee you, you battle not with flesh and blood, but you do battle with principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in high places. And the weapons of your warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God. That's the reason for the Holy Spirit. Somebody say amen. All right. So we're going we're gonna to do that. I was going to teach that today, but instead I really felt like we need to make something clear on where we need to stand as Christians. Read with me in Leviticus chapter 23. Let's start with verse 15. It says, and you shall count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath, from the day that you have brought the sheath and wave offering and seven Sabbaths shall be completed. Count 50 days to the day after the seven Sabbaths that you shall offer a new grain offering unto the Lord. And you shall bring from your habitations two wave loaves of two tents, two, the anointing for signs and wonders, the anointing for prosperity, and they shall be a fine flour and they shall be baked with leaven. These are the first fruits. Now, what the Lord is talking to us about on this is what we call Shavuot or what we call Pentecost. Now, let me show you what happened on this day. Go with me to the book of Exodus chapter 19. And this is what happened on the day of Shavuot. Then it came to pass, verse 16. Then it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunderings and lightnings and thick cloud uh, on the mountain. And the sound of the trumpet was very loud so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. Its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain quaked greatly. For the sake of time, Jump down to 20, verse 1. Here's what happened. And God spoke all these words, saying, 
I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, and you shall have no other gods before me. Now, what we have, obviously, as we know, is God giving Israel, God giving the world, God giving you and I, the Ten Commandments are the Bible. This is the day of Shavuot. So here we have the time of Jesus when he says, don't you leave in Jerusalem until you receive that which I promised. And so here they were, Jews from all over the world in Jerusalem at the Temple Mount. The Temple Mount was the holy site of all of Israel. There was no mosque there. Do you know how many times Jerusalem, and, and I have nothing against anybody. I have nothing against anybody. But do you know how many times Jerusalem is mentioned in the Muslim Quran? Anybody have any idea? Zero. It never became a place of interest until the Jews returned. But Jerusalem has been always... Say always. always. Has always been, always been the center focus of their religion. And therefore, because we're grafted in, it is the center focus of our religion. Amen. So here we have God giving the world the Torah, the Bible, the Ten Commandments. This is the day of Pentecost. This is Shavuot. Now, most of you know, I think, what's going on, or you at least have a, an idea of what's going on in Israel. As of this morning, uh, Hamas, which is not a people, and I think a lot of people are confused. Hamas is a people. No, Hamas is a terrorist organization. They're not a nationality. You understand? They are. Hamas is a terrorist organization. Hamas has shot into the nation of Israel, which is a little bitty, tiny country, little bitty, smaller than Texas. They've shot 3,500 rockets into, not at military targets, civilian targets. On uh, Thursday, I was on a text with a friend in Israel, and he's talking to me. He goes, all of a sudden, he said, I got to go. They're at a wedding. And all of a sudden, he said, we got to go. And, and you could hear, he, he played the, was playing a video for me at the wedding. You could hear the sirens going off. Bride, groom, everybody had to run out of the wedding and go into bomb shelters because rockets are flying. Now, you don't hear the true story in America in most news places. You hear things like Israel, the, uh, Israel is occupying the land. You hear things like apartheid. I, I know Palestinian people who want Israel to be in a place of peace, and they know that happens because the Israelites, the Jews, bring that peace. They want peace. They don't want war. They want to live with everybody in peace. But I want to take a moment today to show you why we stand on Genesis 12. Genesis 12 is the birthing of all blessings. It's what's called the Avot, right? This, this is the first blessing in the Bible that launches into every one of us 
all the rest of the blessings. And God's word says, I will bless those who bless you. But God's word also says, whether it's an individual, whether it's a church, whether it's a city, whether it's a state or it's a country, God also says, I will curse those who curse you. Now, we won't go into this. You can research this. But you look at every time America's government has tried to force Israel into giving up land, into surrendering land, you look at what follows that in our nation. Disasters. All kinds of disasters. Natural disasters. Economic disasters. So I want to show you a few things, just a few things that have been sent to me showing what is going on in the nation of Israel. What would we do if 3,500 rockets were shot into Texas. What would we do? I mean, we, we had three airplanes bomb us in the trade towers and in the Pentagon, and we went to war, rightfully so. We didn't start it, but the only way to stop it is to finish it. Amen. Remember those people jumping out of airplanes? I mean, excuse me, jumping out of uh, the Trade Center? Remember those horrible, horrible videos of people jumping out of windows 20 stories, 30 stories up? These are the same people. These are the same people. So when we hear occupy the Israel's are occupiers of the land, look at the history. Read the history. Yeah, but most Americans don't want to be confused by facts. We see members of Congress calling for war crimes against Israel, against Prime Minister Netanyahu, calling, saying it's genocide. If you're shooting at my family, take a wild guess what I'm going to do. Just, just, just take a stab at it. We need to understand what's going on because listen, I will bless those who bless. So not only what we do, but who we link up with, who we vote for, who we stand behind. So let's roll this and we'll talk about it at the end.
between southern Israel right now, and as you can see, I'm inside of a bomb shelter in Sderot city that has been targeted by rocket fire from Gaza. Over half of Israel's population ran to bomb shelters tonight. Why? Because terrorist organizations in Gaza, Hamas and Islamic Jihad, have been launching hundreds of rockets towards Israel, including Tel Aviv, including our Ben Gurion airport. This school in Ashkelon was hit by a rocket. And this is a home in southern Israel that was completely destroyed. These terrorists fired over 500 rockets towards Israel. Who are they targeting? Civilians. Are you listening? Civilians. Where is the UN? Where are the human rights organizations? Why are they silent? Where is the outrage? Hamas is using people in Gaza as human shields. They fire their rockets from civilian populations because they want Israel to strike civilian populations in Gaza. They want to use that for their propaganda. I'm sure that you have seen photos and videos of injured children in Gaza over the past few days. And actually one third of the rockets that were fired from Gaza towards Israel did not even make it to Israel and landed in Gaza, causing all these injuries to its very own people. But of course, they don't care if their own people get hurt as long as they can blame it on us. And when you see the media using titles like Israel is bombing Gaza, know that we don't bomb Gaza. We specifically target terror targets in Gaza. We specifically eliminate terrorists, not civilians. And by the way, do you know how Gazans always know when to film a terror target right before Israel strikes it? Well, it's called roof knocking. The Israeli Air Force is dropping a non-explosive device on the target before actually bombing it to let the civilians in that area leave the place. Listen, we are not dealing with reasonable people. We are dealing with a terrorist organization that proudly declares its ambition to destroy Israel, to destroy our people. This is what the skies looked like over Tel Aviv tonight. Now, what if it was rockets above your city, your town, or your community? This is unacceptable, and Israel has every right to defend its people. It's not just a right, but an obligation. And this is the truth. And I ask you to share this video. You have the power to let the world know what's going on in Israel by simply sharing the truth. Because together, we are stronger. The violence in Israel right now is heartbreaking. And we mourn the loss of innocent life. Texas will always stand with our friends and partners in Israel. We pray that God keeps them safe and brings an end to this horrific violence. Dear Pastor Larry, Pastor Tiz, and all of you at New Beginnings Church in Dallas, I'm sending you this message from Jerusalem. I know that all of you have been praying and thinking of all of us, the people of Israel, over the last few days through the terrible challenges and violence and terror that we've been having to undergo and I want to, first of all, thank you. Your prayers, your solidarity, and standing with Israel means so much to me and to all of us, to all of the people of Israel. I want to just share with you a little bit personally about what we've been going through. Since Monday evening Israel time, the terrorists in the Gaza Strip, Hamas and the Islamic Jihad, have been launching over 1,300 terror rockets into Israel into civilian populated cities all over the south, including central Israel, and going all the way up as far north as Netanya. 
I myself the other night was at an event in Netanya and rocket sirens went off and all of the people attending this event had to rush off and run into bomb shelters. I shared some video pictures with Pastor Larry who got to see it with his own eyes. Unfortunately, seven people have been killed by the terror rocket fire, including late last night, early this morning, a six-year-old boy from the southern city of Sterot who was actually in a bomb shelter. But unfortunately, part of the, the window was open and some fragments got inside and he was injured mortally. And then unfortunately, he, he succumbed to his wounds. And the six-year-old boy who wanted nothing more than safety and security with his family was killed by these terror rockets. This is just an example of what Israel is having to, uh, having to withstand and as difficult as it is, I want all of you to know that it means so much to all of us at Karen Ayesod, the state of Israel and the people of Israel around the world to know that you stand with Israel, that you support us, that you give us your solidarity, not only in good times, but in challenging times such as this. So thank you so much. Obviously there's so much that we need during this difficult time we know that all of you support us, support Israel throughout the year with the work that we do, fulfilling Bible prophecy and bringing Olim, new immigrants to Israel, helping with the weaker members of Israeli society, whether it's Holocaust survivors and others. And your help to us, to Karen Ayesod, as one of the national institutions of the state of Israel around 100 years is so crucial. And especially now during this time when unfortunately terror rockets are falling from the skies and killing innocent citizens. And you've also helped over the years with bomb shelters and safe spaces. So I will continue to keep you updated. I'm in touch with Pastor Larry on literally a daily basis and let you know about our needs during this critical time. But it was just so important for me to say, thank you, God bless you, and continue to stand for Israel. Continue to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Continue to pray for Israel. And may you all be blessed. And may we have peace, security, and quiet as soon as possible. Todaraba. Amen. I want to show you a video right now. It's about three minutes long. And it's something that we taught out of the church here. And uh, uh, it's been on YouTube and stuff. But last night it went viral. Overnight we had three million hits on it. And the response to that was, uh, for, the, for a large part, uh, not very nice to me. And uh, because we're standing up with the nation of Israel. What I want you to look, look at is I'm just giving facts, not opinions. I'm giving facts. It doesn't matter what I think or what you think. What are the facts to who that land belongs to? Now, we can say, well, God said it belongs to the nation of Israel. And to us, that ought to be enough. But I want you to understand, governments have said that land belongs to Israel. You're going to hear me mention the Balfour Declaration, the Sam Ramos uh, Conference, and where they said after World War I and the Turks, the Ottoman Empire, was defeated as they stood with Germany, they said, all right, here's Syria. This is what we're going to make Syria. Here's Lebanon. 
This is where we're going to make Lebanon. Here's Transjordan. And all the Arab Peninsula that we know was divided up. Part of that was, here's what was then called Palestine, and that goes to the Jews. So this goes to the Syrian people, this goes to Lebanon, this goes to Transjordan, this goes to Egypt, this goes to this and that, and this goes to the Jewish people. That's law. Made by the law, made by the League of Nations before the abomination of the United Nations came about, and... Nobody questions that land belongs to Syria, that land belongs to Lebanon, that land belongs to... Nobody questions that. It's only Israel that they want to change the laws for. So we've got to understand that when we stand up for the nation of Israel, not only does the Bible say it, which is enough for me, but the world said it, made it a law. So watch this video and then we're going to close in prayer. Watch this. People are always saying, well, the Jews came in in 1948 and ran out the Palestinians. For 400 years, 400 years, Palestine, Syria, all these, Lebanon, uh, Jordan, all of these were run by the Ottoman Empire. The Ottomans are not Arabs. Up until 1917, 1920, the end of World War I, the Ottomans sided with, uh, with Germany. They were defeated, and they said, we're going to come in and divide up amongst those. They said, here's Syria, here's Jordan, here's, uh, here's Egypt, here's uh, Lebanon, and here's uh, uh, the land for the Jews, which was then called Palestine. Look at Dallas Cowboy Football Stadium. The Dallas Cowboy Football Stadium are the Arab countries. If you put a matchbook in the corner of the Dallas Cowboy Football Stadium, that matchbook is Israel. Now you've got all of the Dallas Cowboy Stadium. Give us half that matchbook and then there'll be peace. There's never been peace for land. All right, so we have the League of Nations, we have the Balfour, we have the San Remus declaring that this land belongs to the Jewish people. But the reality was in all their excavations, they never found the city of David. Does anybody know why? They were digging in the wrong spot. And they went to, to, to move dirt for a parking lot and went, whoa. What is this? And so they started digging down and they found David's palace. They got a water, a sewerage leak or a water pipe leak. And so they started digging and they found a road goes from the pool of Bethesda all the way up to the Temple Mount steps. They found a pomegranate bell that goes on the hem of a priest. They found the, where the money exchangers were ripping people off, where Jesus turned over the money exchangers. When I was with Prime Minister Netanyahu, I said, Mr. Prime Minister, how important is the discovery of the pilgrimage road? That road has been covered for 2,000 years. Nobody knew it was there. Those stones you can't see are polished, shiny, from millions of people walking on them 2,000 years ago. Prime Minister Netanyahu has a has a, uh, a a signet ring with his family name on it, and the some of the skeptics have said, "Oh, that's counterfeit." Or you find a coin, "Oh, that's counterfeit." Or you find a pot, "Oh, that's counterfeit." You can't counterfeit a road. And he started talking about Professor Klausner. 
and teaching them Jesus, the Jewishness of Jesus. And he looked at me and he looked at us and he said, my ancestors, as Jews and Christians, walk that road together, worshiping the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He said, Jesus walked that road. The apostles walked that road. And now it's discovered. And within a year, we'll all be able to walk that road. Amen. You know, one of the reasons for the baptism of the Holy Spirit is to be bold. To be bold to stand up when something is right, stand up for something being right. When something is wrong, stand up against something that is wrong. Uh, when Tiz and I first went in the ministry, we started pioneered a church in a, in a rundown liquor store in Santa Fe, New Mexico. In the, in, the, in the barrio, in the, where the gangs were. And first people that came in our church got saved were drug addicts that lived under the bridge across the street from our, our uh, church. And uh, white people wouldn't come to our church because most of our church were Mexicans. I remember we invited some folks. We met some folks at a coffee and talked. Oh, you're pastor. Oh, we're Christians too. So they came down one Sunday night and they walked in and they go, your church is all Mexican. I said, it's not all Mexican. Tiz is a honky. (laughs) I'm not even sure what a honky is. I better look that up before I say that. And uh, after that, we went to Australia. And... uh, we found out that a lot of nationalities weren't invited, especially Aboriginal people. So we brought Aboriginal people. We went out and got Aboriginal people. People We would have Aboriginals show up at our church that had walked two, 300 miles, huh, babe, from the reservations in the middle of, of Australia because they found out that there were people, white people, that, that loved them. And we said we had, what, 42 languages spoken in our church, tearing down those walls that divide. When we came back to the United States, we were in Portland, and, and we realized, wow, there's not any multiracial churches. Half of our church in Portland was African-American. And people said, well, you know, that's not done. That's not done. When we came to Dallas here, we were told, if you try to build a multiracial church, it won't work. But it's not about what's doing convenient. It's about what's doing Right. He that knows to do right. Say do. Do. Not just, oh, I I believe that. Do it. He who knows to do right and doesn't do that, to him, that's sin. And I believe in all my heart because when we did what's right, and white people went, these white people said, because our church was mostly Hispanic and some Native American and, and us. And they said, well, that's not done here. And I said, well, maybe that's why God brought us here. Because my Bible says a kingdom divided against itself can't stand. And then we went to Australia and, well, that's not done here. Well, we did it. 42 different languages being spoke. Well, that's not, you know, Russians ought to be there and Yugoslavians ought to be there. And there. No, we're, we're children of God. If you're Russian, be proud of being Russian. If you're Yugoslavian, be proud of being Yugoslavian. If you're 
Asian, be proud of being Asian. If you're African-American, be proud of being, be proud because you're made in the image of God and you are made absolutely perfect. Be proud of that. Celebrate that. Celebrate that. And when we came to Africa, half of our church was African-American. Half of our staff was African-American. And there's a lot of people who say, oh, you can't do it. When we came to Dallas, they said, you can't do that. But we've never done what's economically correct. We've always done what is biblically correct. And standing for the nation of Israel, standing for the peace, I had a phone call, and I'm going to close with this. I had a phone call from a Jewish friend in Washington. And he said, Pastor, I want to thank you and New Beginnings and all your partners for standing up with Israel. Because there's a lot of, you, you, there's a lot of people protesting against Jews. Anti-Semitism is more alive now than it was during Nazi Germany. Isn't that crazy? More alive now than it was with Nazi Germany. And he said 70-something years ago, when the Jews were being attacked like we are now, just for being Jews. And you got to understand, that's the whole thing. That's why Hamas and Iran called them the little Satan and said they must be wiped out. They're not talking about, well, give us some land. This is their statement. They must be wiped out. But you got to understand, America, they're the little Satan. Guess who the big Satan is? But God says, if you bless Israel, I will bless you. You stand up with Israel, I'll stand up with with you. And this Jewish friend said, thank the people for standing up with Israel. Thank them. Because when this happened to the Jewish people 70-something years ago, we had no land. We had nobody, nobody standing up for us. Nobody fighting for us. And the result of that was six million Jews, men, women, and children, murdered. Not killed, murdered because of anti-Semitism. Let me leave you this. I have this in my, it's, it's a letter that is uh, in Yad Vashem, the Holocaust Museum. Probably in almost every Holocaust Museum, but in the Holocaust Museum in Israel. And I have it, I have a copy of it in my office at home. And it was written by a Christian pastor. And in so many words, I'm not saying it exactly right. He said, when Hitler came for the handicapped, I didn't say anything because I wasn't a handicapped. When he came for the unionists, I didn't say anything because I wasn't a unionist. When they came for the Jews, I didn't say anything because I wasn't a Jew. And when they finally came for me, there was no one left to say anything to. We got to make sure that doesn't happen. Because the same people that are, look at me, look at me. The same people that are anti-Semitic are also anti-Christian. The same ones that hate them, hate you. For no other reason, for no other reason, except that we believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So I want to ask you during this time of the refilling of the Holy Spirit, be bold, not rude, be bold. We don't hate anybody. We, we don't hate anybody. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. But love sometimes 
is saying, you know what? I appreciate your opinion, but you're wrong. And all you have to do is look at history, look at the Bible, and look at the law. And we know, we know that that land belongs to the Jews. Let me clarify one thing. I have two minutes. I don't know if you caught it when I said on this. That they're saying the Jews stole this from the Palestinians. Palestinians are Arabs that came from Jordan. They came from... There never has been a, a Palestinian people. They, they've never... Y'all understand that. They've never existed. Where the name Palestine came from was when Rome could not get the Jews to bow down the Roman gods. The Roman emperor said... I don't want the name of Judah, Judea or Samaria. I don't want that name mentioned anymore. Wipe it away from all the maps and let's rename the land. Rename the land. This is at the time of Jesus, after the time of Jesus. Rename the land the Palestinian, Palestine. After the Palestinian people who lived uh, over in a corner by Gaza, a Palestinian people who, by the way, went into Babylonian captivity along with the Jews and never came back. So they just said, boom, it's no longer Judea and Samaria, it's Palestine. That's where, that's where the name came from. But up until the end of World War I, when San, Remus, uh, San Remo and uh, the Balfour Declaration said, here's Syria, here's Transjordan, here's Lebanon, etc., etc., here's the land for the Jews— up, in, up until that time, all that land was owned by the Turks, 400 years, by the Ottoman Empire, who are not Arabs. They're Muslims, yes, but they're not Arabs. They're not Arabs. So the people that, that the news says the Jews are occupying that land, the land of the Palestinians, there never has been that. It never, ever, ever existed. Never. It's all made up. And it started, that propaganda started in 1967. But if you and I will stand up, not only will it be a peace for the Jewish people in the promised land, it'll be a peace for Palestinians, it'll be a peace for Christians, it'll be a peace for all people. Because that's what the Word of God says. That Temple Mount is not just for one people. That Temple Mount is that all people of every nationality can come and pray. I will bless those who bless the nation of Israel. Do you receive that this morning? Is that okay to teach on the day of Pentecost? I want you to stand with me, and we're going to close in prayer here. But before we do, look at me. How close are we to the coming of the Lord? Folks, look at me. If Jesus were to come right now, and these are birth pangs that we're seeing. These are birth pangs. You know what a birth pang is? Something's about to be born. Now, I believe what's about to be born for us who have eyes to see and ears to hear, I believe what's about to be born is the greatest move of God that the world has ever seen. This book does not end with doom and gloom. This book ends with a great outpouring of signs and wonders and, pe- and, and, signs and, wonders and miracles. But if Jesus were to come right now, would you make heaven your home? God allows these things to be seen to wake us up and not just be churchy, but seriously be serving God. I I, I told the guys in the back, I'm working on a new series. I started working on a new series the other day. 
on, on uh, someday when this rapture takes place, you and I will stand. How many of you are Christians? Raise your hand. How many of you are Christians? Someday you and I will stand before the Lord and we want him to say, I, I want the greatest thing that we can hear is, well done. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. But can I give you something that's, and I'm working on it. I'm, I'm, I'm hashing it out in my spirit. The Bible says when we go to heaven, if you're, if you're born again, if you've asked Jesus in your heart, you're going to go to heaven. But after that, we stand at the judgment seat of Christ. Said, oh, I thought I'm in heaven. You are. But God will take my life and your life and play it before everybody. If you look at it, the Bible says when we're in heaven, he's going to wipe away our tears, right? Isn't that what he said? He's going to wipe away our tears. I'm going to study it more, so don't build your house on this, but I think I got it. When God says, I'm going to wipe away your tears, that's, he says it right after the judgment seat. In other words, some of us who are Christians are maybe standing before the Lord, and when he plays our life of what we should have done, it's going to bring tears. I gave you a born-again experience, but you did nothing with it. Let's do something. Let's just, in love, in patience, and in caring, let's stand up on the Word of God. Let's pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Let's pray for the peace of God to fall on that city. Let's pray for the Spirit of God to come back in our country, our nation, our government, where we will be again one nation under God. Let's do something. Let's be a blessing to the nation of Israel. And being a blessing to the nation of Israel includes everybody that lives there. Everybody lives there. You know, I, I, I talked to one guy the other day, and, and, and he said, well, I just don't, I just don't believe in, in that. I said, what have you done for anybody in Israel? Well, I, nothing. Well, I think my way's better. Because we're buying ambulances, we're building bomb shelters, we're building hospitals, we're building emergency wards. We're stand- and that doesn't say Jews only. That's for everybody. And when they see your good works, they will glorify your Father who is in heaven. Can I have an amen? Let's pray this out loud. Say this out loud with me. Say, because rather than raising our hands, say this out loud. Say, Father, I come to you right now in the name of Jesus. I know I've sinned. We have all sinned. But I know this. You love me so much. You sent Jesus Christ to pay the price in full for all my sin. Right now, I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Now say this like you're a child of God. Satan, get out of my life. Get out of my mind. Get out of my spirit. Get out of my body. Get out of my home, my family, my finances, my future. I declare by the name, by his blood, I am born again, totally forgiven, and blessed by Almighty God. I claim this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem by giving the Lord a great big clap offering.